June 1829 was a very busy month in the work of the Restoration. The translation of the Book of Mormon was almost finished. The Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthoods and baptism were restored. The three witnesses saw an angel who testified of the truthfulness of the work and showed them the plates, and eight other witnesses also saw and handled them. While Joseph and Oliver were translating in Fayette, they came across information on priesthood ordinances, church procedures, and the Twelve Apostles, and wanted to know what they needed to do to organize and build up the church. Joseph prayed and received section 18. Oliver was inspired to write a list of essential ordinances and covenants for the organization of the church from the Book of Mormon manuscript. It was called Articles of the Church of Christ, and the Lord told him if he would rely upon the things which are written and use them as a foundation to build up his church, his gospel, and his rock, then the gates of hell could not prevail against them. The Lord said the world is ripening in iniquity, and the children of men need to be stirred up unto repentance. He commanded Oliver and David to cry repentance unto this people with the same calling that Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, was called to. Joseph said this revelation revealed the calling of twelve apostles in the last days. The word apostle means one sent forth, and the Lord told Oliver and David, they were sent forth to cry repentance to all people, and remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. Because each of God's children is so valuable, the Savior said that he suffered the pain of his atonement and dying on the cross, then was resurrected so that everyone might repent and come unto him. He told Oliver and David that he has great joy in each repentant soul, and if they spent their whole lives crying repentance, and even only one person repented, it would be worth it. Their joy with that soul would be great in God's kingdom, but how much greater would be their joy if many repented? We need to remember that the first person we should save is ourselves. Then we can lift our own families and others and find great joy in the kingdom of God. The Lord told them to follow the Book of Mormon's teachings and pray in faith for the Holy Ghost. Then preach the gospel with faith, hope, and charity, and invite all to come unto Christ and take upon themselves his name. He said they were to contend against no church, save it be the church of the devil, which refers to any person or organization that seeks to thwart the work of God. But all who repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and endure to the end will be saved in God's kingdom. The Lord commissioned new apostles and prophesied of their calling to go into all the world to preach his gospel, baptize in his name, and ordain priests and teachers. He promised that his grace was sufficient to save them if they chose to walk uprightly before him and not sin. Oliver and David were given a charge to search out the twelve and would know them by their desires and works. These twelve apostles were to act on the Lord's instructions, even though a full quorum would not be called for six years. In 1835, the three witnesses, Oliver, David, and Martin, called the quorum of twelve apostles and the Savior's commandment to testify that they heard his voice was directly fulfilled 
when the Doctrine and Covenants was published. Joseph wrote that while praying in solemn and fervent prayer in Father Whitmer's room, he was commanded to ordain Oliver to be an elder in the Church of Jesus Christ, and then have Oliver ordain him. Before doing this, they were told to first have others decide by vote if they accepted them as spiritual leaders. This set a pattern in the church of having a sustaining vote before ordaining or setting someone apart as an officer in the church. In the summer of 1829, Martin and Joseph had finished the translation and were looking for a printer. They made an agreement with Egbert Grandin in Palmyra to publish 5,000 copies of the Book of Mormon, but he was concerned over how well this controversial book would sell and wanted the full payment of $3,000 up front before he started printing. Martin knew he would have to mortgage his farm to raise this much money, and he was worried that if not enough books sold, he would lose his farm that he had worked so hard his whole life for. He went through a trial of his faith and asked Joseph for a commandment from the Lord. The prophet prayed and received section 19 in Manchester, New York. The revelation begins with the Lord reassuring Martin of his divine power, that there would be an end to the struggle between good and evil, and that Satan's works will be overthrown. He distinguished between the end of the world, most likely referring to his second coming, and the last great day of judgment at the end of the millennium, after a short season when Satan is loosed. In section 19, the Lord gave us a very personal and first-hand account of his suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross. He said that he trembled because of the pain, bled from every pore, and suffered exquisitely during his atonement, so that Martin and all of us could repent and not have to suffer eternal and endless punishment. The Lord clarified the meaning of eternal and endless, which are both the names of God and his punishment. He taught that his punishment for sin would not last forever, but it did have eternal consequences. He repeated the theme of repentance many times throughout the section and told Martin to learn of me and listen to my words. Walk in the meekness of my spirit and you shall have peace in me. The Lord paid an infinite price to save us from that awful monster of death and hell that Jacob talked about in 2 Nephi chapter 9. And each of us ultimately decide in this life if we will end up choosing Christ's manner of living or his manner of suffering. The Lord talked of the Spirit being withdrawn from him during the atonement and reminded Martin that he had a similar experience, but only to the least degree. As Martin was wrestling whether he would keep his promise to finance the printing of the Book of Mormon, the Lord declared his character and told him that he always keeps his promises. He made the infinite sacrifice of the atonement for us so we could repent and be forgiven of our sins. He compared Martin's covetousness to keep his own property to the priceless testament of the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, that needed to be printed through his sacrifice. The Lord said, Behold, this is a great and the last commandment which I shall give unto you concerning this matter, and warn Martin of the blessings he would lose if he did not obey. The Savior declared, Pray always, and I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and great shall be your blessing.
Martin understood what the Lord was telling him and did not ask again for a commandment. He obeyed the Lord's command in verse 26 to not covet thine own property, but impart it freely to the printing. And in August 1829, he mortgaged his farm and paid the printer in full. His wife was firmly against this and eventually left him. Martin paid a large price for this work, and with his sacrifice, 5,000 copies of the Book of Mormon were able to be printed. While it had taken Joseph and Oliver three months to translate the plates, it took Egbert Grandin and many others working 12 hours a day, six days a week, over seven months to print and bind the first books. At first they did not sell well in the Palmyra area, and Martin had to sell 150 acres of his farm. But interest in the book increased until Joseph arranged for a second printing in 1837. Martin eventually recovered the debt of printing, and when asked later if he ever lost any of the $3,000, he said, I never lost one cent. Mr. Smith paid me all that I advanced and more too. Martin was told in verse 30 to revile not against revilers. He was a peaceful and honest man, and once while debating with a neighbor about Joseph's character, the man became angry and hit him on the right side of his face. Martin turned his other cheek and read from the book, Whoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And these are sections 18 and 19 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Look for hidden objects throughout this video that are a part of church history or something that would have been common to that time, and read each object's description to learn about life in the 1800s. You can also look for these other images hidden throughout the video. You can download a coloring page and activity puzzles for each section on Etsy at PonderFun. Visit our Facebook page or PonderFun.com to find more fun things to do, and you can listen to these as a podcast. Please like and share these videos with anyone you think might enjoy them, and I'll keep making new ones. Thanks again for watching, and find some time this week to ponder.